Should you monetize your law podcast? This is the Law Podcasting Podcast, where you learn how to use modern media to get your message out and more good clients to your law practice. Here's your host, Gordon Firemark. Well, all right, everybody. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Law Podcasting Podcast. I am Gordon Firemark, and this is the show where I bring you information about how lawyers are using the power of podcasting to support and develop their businesses, even if they're not podcasting about legal subject matter. Now, in this episode, I'm going to share my thoughts about this question of whether you should monetize your law podcast. But before I do that, I want to just give a big shout out to uh, Linda and Joe Hecht, who uh, are audience members and fans, and of them as a lawyer, but uh, and they are podcasters, but um, they've uh, been kind enough to send me some great feedback in recent weeks, and uh, they listen apparently not just to this show, but also to uh, Entertainment Law Update and some of my other stuff, and uh, I'm going to put them in the category of fans, and I want to just say hi, and thank you for listening, and thank you for your kind words, and, and the feedback, it's very welcome, and uh, anybody else who has feedback can feel free to send it to me. My email address is gfiremark at firemark.com, and that's the best way to get a hold of me with your comments and feedback on the show or on any other subject whatsoever. Um, so with that, let's jump into this topic of whether you should monetize your podcast. Before we get into whether, though, I want to talk about just some of the possible ways that you can monetize a law podcast or any podcast for that matter. You know, the first among these is is really just to charge your your listeners a fee, a subscription fee. And, um, you know, I've seen a few people do this, not specifically in the legal podcasting space, but in other kinds of podcasting where they, you know, they charge for access to the RSS feed. And leaving aside the, the fact that it's very technically challenging to set that up and make it work in a way that um, allows the listeners to still have the ease of use of, uh, of podcasting where you just subscribe and the episodes are downloaded. Um, you know, you have passwords and security things and all those kinds of things. Um, you know, the subscriber fees could be a, a valid way of doing things if you can uh, get the uh, uh, get the customers to pay. <laughs> that's always the case, right? Um, so, so that's one method. Um, you know, and it's it's basically just that you are offering a um, a particular. Uh, level of service in terms of either a number of episodes per month or year or um and they'd have to be a certain length in order for your listeners to feel that they're getting their money's worth. Uh, so that's that's one approach. Another variation on this is is sort of the the donationware model, which which is where um, using um, some of the various tools that are out there, you encourage your audience to donate to support your show using a PayPal button on the website or there's um, Patreon is another service that allows for um, uh, for fans to support the show with with, you know, their contributions sort of voluntary in nature. But that's another another way of monetizing. Um, another is the freemium model. And this is an interesting one that I've, I've used with, I'll, I'll admit, little limited success. Um, and, and I'll explain why a little later in the show, but this is basically where you are offering the episodes of the show for free, but there's something of an add on, or, or it could be a partial episode with a bonus uh, that you pay for. Um, but the, the point is that there's an, a paid add on, a value added um, uh, something that is included 
uh, only for those who subscribe. Uh, I know a, a number of the um, more prolific podcasters have used these in in, uh, in the past, um, where they would have you know one or two of their episodes a month for free, and the others were behind a paywall for members only. And that's um, uh, you know that's really the, the best way you could accomplish something like anything where the the customers are paying you directly for the podcast is to put it behind some kind of a membership site paywall. Um, does it work? I think it, it can. Um, I use a freemium model. Uh, I have used a freemium model in the past where we offered CLE credit to our lawyer listeners who wanted to, um, who wanted to get credit for listening and using the show as their continuing education. And I'll tell you a little more about how that worked out for us, uh, later on in, in this episode. Um, obviously the most obvious, uh, obviously the most obvious way <laughs> that, uh, uh, you can monetize a show is by taking ads, uh, paid advertising in the show either before or after or in the middle of the episode can be a very valuable uh, and lucrative way to do things if you have a large enough audience to attract advertisers who are willing to pay. Now, I will say that also there's a variant of this that is very common for law podcasters, and it's the best, the method that I recommend, which is really not advertising at all, but we'll get there again uh, in a few minutes. Um, but, you know, this can be an on-air um, where the host reads the ad, like like I do sometimes with um, with the um, uh, advertising I run on my other show, or at the end of this show when I describe the uh, law podcasting course that we have on offer. Um, it could be for any brand, and um, here I'm really talking about a third party brand where uh, you have a, a sponsor essentially who is or sponsors who are paying you a certain dollar amount per imp- not per impression per message each time you. You um, do an episode, you include their message one, two, three times, and they, they pay you a fixed amount for access to your audience with that message. But that obviously depends on the size of your audience. Uh, it could also be a roll-in where, where they actually give you a commercial to play during the show. So it could be on-air, you're just reading some copy. could be a roll-in like that. It could be... A, possibly other things like um, display ads on the website for the podcast could be another way to make a little money. And I suppose you could use Google AdSense for for that and uh, get a little money coming in. That's not without its other pitfalls, but I don't want to get too far down that that path today. Um, well, suffice to say that there is a situation where um, if you are generating revenue from the podcast that is otherwise a hobby, it's going to look like a business to uh, local authorities that may expect you to pay for a business license. So um, you run that AdSense ad and you generate a few bucks and your business license tax fee comes in and it's much more than you've earned and it can be it can backfire on you that way. So something to think about. And this is that's true of all these advertising uh, strategies, by the way. So the next one I want to talk about is a very common one among podcasters. And not that common, really, among um, among the lawyers who podcast. Although it's out there, and it is affiliate advertising. An affiliate ad relationship is such you may or may not know about this, but um, where the podcaster or the blogger, in some instances, becomes a um, essentially a commissioned sales agent for a particular company or brand or product or, or service, and every time 
they mention it on on their air on their show they are hoping that people will go buy it because they get paid on the basis of how many people actually purchase the product they get some percentage of the sale and um, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the challenges there as well but um, uh, that it's a very common thing in the internet marketing space uh, affiliates paying anywhere from very little amounts uh, small fractions of percentages uh, to um, uh, half and sometimes and even in some instances 100% of the sale of the product going to the to the affiliate who um uh, you know gets paid on that first transaction but then the the vendor the company that is running or, or be that is set up the affiliate relationship now has access to that customer and can sell them other things without paying that commission so that's the uh um, that's the affiliate model. And finally, there's the sort of direct selling kind of a model. That's really what I'm doing with this show. And in, in a sense, when I, when I talk about the law podcasting course, uh, over at power podcasting for lawyers over at lawpodcasting.com, there's the ad, uh, I am actually selling something of my own and using the podcast as my way to access you folks, the, the audience and to tell you about that product. So, um, those are some of the ways. So you can subscriber fees, premium models, paid advertising, affiliate advertising, and the direct selling kind of approach. I think the question now, whether to do this, whether to monetize using the, any of these methods is really a question of what's the purpose of your show. You have to think about why are you doing it? If it's just for fun and for a hobby and you don't really expect it to do anything for your law practice per se, then maybe, you know, running some, some paid ads or some, uh, uh, you know, doing a subscriber fee, if it's sort of an unrelated business thing, maybe that works and maybe that makes some sense for you and your particular scenario. But if you're trying to use a podcast to promote and grow your law practice, then I think that you have to decide, you know, you're, you're essentially using the show to build authority and trust and if, you know, that no like, and trust, uh, um, trifecta that, that we go for when we're marketing our services. And I think that the, there's a possibility that running ads could undermine that a little bit. So you have to evaluate that. Uh, another way that you could be using your podcast is really just as a lead gen tool. If you know that you serve a particular community of, uh, um, I don't know, um, soccer moms with uh, children with disabilities and your podcast and your legal practice serves that that community, uh, parents of children with learning disabilities, for example, and dealing with the education stuff, well, you might do a show around those subjects and then use the, you know, have some kind of a free giveaway that you can offer people in exchange for giving you their information, a lead generation uh, purpose for your podcast. And if that's the case, again, other brands and products could theoretically undermine that purpose uh, and, uh, you know, and, and have people confused about the, <laughs> the intention of things. So uh, you, you have to decide, is it right for you? And you know, let's talk a little bit about pros and cons of monetizing your show because, you know, let's face it, you're going to have some money coming in <clears throat> that can help you to um, defray the costs of podcasting, maybe even, you know, pay you a, uh, a I won't call it a salary, but a wage, uh, provide enough revenue for you to um, ease back on some of your other activities or, or whatever it could be. Depends again on the size of your audience, of course. And advertising, you know, having ads or, or whatever kind of monetization strategy in place, if done right can give you some kind of credibility because, oh, well, he's, you know, the, the show is big enough to have uh, an audience 
that's big enough to have um, advertisers interested or you know whatever and it generates money um, pretty easy to uh, to take that the next time and say well it must be a real thing it must be a successful show and so that can be a kind of credibility and it gives you an air of professionalism that running that ad you know in the beginning or in the in whatever in the middle of the show somewhere oh brought to you by such and such that can be sort of a um, a credibility thing but on the con side, I think that these things also have the potential to take away from your core message. You can become beholden to your advertiser as well. You know, if you if you're running an ad for a particular brand or or service, and your show is talking about things related to that brand or service, which I would suggest it should, then you can run into trouble if you might have said something I don't know less than flattering about the brand, but then withheld that bit your tongue because you had a brand relationship to preserve it essentially has uh, affected your editorial process your editorial credibility and so that's something to be mindful of and, and audiences are mindful of this too they, they certainly are aware of it um, so your credibility can suffer in that regard and the other thing about it is that when you do advertising in the sort of traditional mold your show fits the mold of all the other shows out there rather than standing out and apart from them and uh, my friend Dave Jackson who runs a, a podcast called School of Podcasting just did an episode on this on this subject specifically of when it's time for everybody to zig it's time for you to zag be a little different and stand out and distinguish your and I think that's a very important um, strategy, especially for those of us that are using our podcasts as a marketing tool. We want to set ourselves apart from the crowd and not running ads can be one way to do that. Um, finally, I want to say that another on the con side is that there are some very strict rules and regulations that apply to legal rules and regulations that apply to um, certain kinds of advertising on uh, on on podcasts and anywhere else. I'm mentioning. I'm talking, of course, of the the um, um, truth and advertising rules and and the fairness rules that are put out by the the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission here in the United States. And this basically says that if you have a relationship with a sponsor or an advertiser, or an endorsement is being made because of a a, a financial arrangement that needs to be disclosed very clearly and conspicuously in the course of the, the message being given out. So if you're getting a paid endorsement, then you have to say so. And I think you have to say it in so many, in so many words, this is a paid endorsement by such and such, you know, um, if you're receiving free goods in exchange for, I don't know, reviewing those products, uh, again, you have to say, at least say they sent me a such and such so I could review it. And here's what I thought. Now you may or may not give a very honest review of that, but your audience is entitled to know and understand that it might be colored by the fact that you received this piece of equipment for free. And had you had to pay for it, maybe your feelings would be a little different about this thing. So that's another point. And when you're doing affiliate sales in particular, let's say you have a um, an affiliate relationship you're with a course that is being sold or something like that, or a book that's being sold on Amazon and you, you know, you're an Amazon affiliate. So you want to promote products and services via Amazon. Um, you know, Amazon has this, um, a program called Amazon associates where you can sign up and anybody who follows a link through from your page to theirs can, 
uh, you, you'll receive a small percentage of, of uh, the, the revenue from that and from other sales that they make in the same session, which can be really exciting. But you have to say, hey, uh, use my Amazon affiliate link or something along those lines in order to comply with these FTC rules and regulations. Uh, I'm going to be doing a... Uh, a CLE program uh, on podcasting law for um, the state of Texas entertainment law section coming up in early November of this year, 2016. So if you are in Texas and interested in getting some CLE credit for listening to me talk more in depth about these FTC rules and about the other legal aspects of podcasting, uh, please uh, consider joining us. Go to Texas CLE and, and find out about the entertainment law session in November. I think it's on the 4th and 5th of this of this. Uh, coming month, November. Um, anyway, so these are some of the kinds of things that we need to be concerned about. So now I want to talk a little bit about my own experience because I think it's instructive. You know, my, my main flagship initial podcast was, and it still is entertainment law update. It's a monthly show where we do uh, a roundup of legal news and commentary and analysis on it. And, and, um, we have, we originally started out the show doing it and offering CLE credit for our lawyer listeners who would come in, to, come in and through an online shopping cart would essentially buy a certificate acknowledging that they listened to the show. And uh, we were offering it at a very low price. It was $20 per credit hour. And uh, I thought this was going to be a fantastic thing. It didn't really work out quite that well. And, and one of the reasons is that it was tremendously difficult to get states on board to give us the authority to grant them CLE credit. So we had it in California, we were on the way to Texas, um, where my co-host is located. And, um, we, uh, we took a look at the volume of, of sales that we were seeing in California after a couple of three years of this. Um, and it was costing us several hundred dollars a year in, in just renewal and registration fees just for one state. And as we looked at adding additional states, we realized that that cost was going to be really substantial. And we weren't just, we just weren't seeing enough sales volume of these CLE credits to make this worthwhile. So after it was a few dozen episodes in, we, we gave up on that and, um, um, decided that that particular freemium model wasn't the right thing for the show. Um, but <clears throat> we did take on what I would call a sponsor, but in fact, it's really more one of those affiliate relationships. If you listen to entertainment law update, you will hear a rolled in ad. It's my voice, but it's with music and it's a little bit of more of a produced ad that says that entertainment law update is brought to you by Clio. Um, you know, the best online, um, uh, law practice management system. And, uh, Clio was very generous in, in agreeing to become a sponsor of the show. And the way it worked was I, we, the, the show would receive a, um, a commission on every customer who signed up and stayed signed up for, uh, three months or something like that. And, uh, you know, it, it, it has been enough to keep the costs of the show, uh, covered, uh, you know, a few hundred dollars here, a few hundred dollars there, and really not, it's not a lot of money coming, coming into our pockets. Uh, but, um, you know, it sort of defrayed those costs. And, um, so I, I feel like that was a, a win, but a small one. <laughs> um, but you know, it was not without its hassles as well. And, and having an affiliate relationship means that somehow you have to do some tracking and measurement. In our case, you go to a particular, uh, link and you use a particular keyword, a, a coupon code essentially. And then the Clio folks track the keyword and 
once they see that that sale has um, accumulated to a certain length of time, they know they've got a customer for a while. That's when they pay us. And we have to sort of trust them to track and pay those things. Um, appropriately and in a timely fashion. And that hasn't always been, um, with other sponsors, that hasn't always been the case. So, so that's that. Another issue around that is that we say it's brought to you by Clio, which is that more traditional advertising, you know, when you have a sponsor, uh, that kind of message. And I have wondered whether or not it truly satisfies the FTC rules of it being essentially an affiliate, uh, excuse me, a, you know, a, a, an affiliate relationship where we would have to say, when you buy, we get a, com- a sale commission. I think that we're being clear enough indicating that, look, they're paying us for saying this. Uh, by saying it's brought to you by, but, uh, there are those that may disagree with me and, and, um, um, so I don't know, who knows, we may change that at some time. So that's the sort of angle, uh, that, you know, that I've taken on things with entertainment law update. Now with this show, the law podcasting podcast, I'm using the purpose of this show a little differently. Yes, I'm using it to promote the power podcasting for lawyers course that I've now mentioned several times here in the show. You can get more information about that and learn how to podcast for your own law practice over at lawpodcasting.com. But, um, there it is again, right? That's not a paid ad because I'm advertising my own product, but that is part of the reason that I do the show is to build awareness of that. The other thing that I do with this show by interviewing, uh, every other episode is an interview with another lawyer who podcasts. That is part of the sales process for the law podcasting course. That is, it's called social proof. I'm using those other lawyers experience and talking about their experience as a way of demonstrating that podcasting works as a marketing tool for lawyers. It works as a fun hobby for lawyers and hopefully encouraging other people to consider doing this in their shows, uh, in their, in their practices. So, um, so I've chosen not to pay, take any paid advertising and I'm not, I, we have a little bit of affiliate stuff when, when folks mention the, the products that they use on the show we put them on the show notes and yes, we have an affiliate relationship with Amazon. So if you buy that Heil PR 40 microphone from Amazon, then yes, we receive a few bucks. Um, but that doesn't really amount to much of anything. And, um, uh, you know, it's just, it's just a little extra something there. And frankly, it's, it's part of me experimenting with this so I can talk about it intelligently. So back to the question of, should you monetize your show or not? I think it really is a personal question that, that you have to evaluate on your own. Does it fit your particular show and your personality and your style to include these ads? Or do you feel it will somehow undermine your credibility and your, your standing with your audience, uh, if you do it? And do you have, frankly, do you have a big enough audience to justify the trouble because you have to generate a certain amount of money? Most advertising is done on a CPM basis. That's cost per mill or for every thousand listeners, or in our case, we often do it on the basis of the number of downloads that the show has. The metrics in podcasting are a little hard to try. You know, we don't have a Nielsen rating service for, for podcasting yet. So, uh, you know, tracking it is, is a little bit of a challenge and, and therefore setting the pricing can be a little bit challenging. So, you know, you have to decide, uh, is this, is this right for you and your firm and your show? And let's also keep track of the fact that your firm 
or your practice or your personal brand may really be the sponsor of your show. And you can even come out and say, you know, the motorcycle accident podcast, the motorcycle, the motorcycle touring podcast is brought to you by the firm of Smith and Jones handling motorcycle accidents for the last 30 years or something like that. And then that generates interest and awareness of your practice to those folks that are interested in motorcycle touring. So, um, you know, that I think is probably the most prominent way for, um, I won't call it monetizing, but using a podcast as a strategy to generate business for your firm. And if you, if that's your approach, then perhaps running other people's ads in your show, um, takes away from that and minimizes the call to action that we're talking about. So I encourage, um, you know, you think about this and, and do what feels right, of course. But if you're looking at doing a podcast and you're wondering, well, how does this make me money? I think that you need to shift the, the question to how does this benefit me in my practice and look at whether there's something you can offer your listeners for free with each episode. Maybe it's a different piece of content each episode, um, what we call um uh, what do we call them? <laughs> anyway, add on value uh items that they can download from your website by giving you an email address. So now you've got listeners who've also provided you with an email address and you can reach those folks with your weekly newsletter, your sales messages and so on, and more impressions, more contact with folks who are genuinely interested in the stuff you're talking about can translate into either referrals or client relationships down the line. And I've seen that happen in my practice. I know it's happened in other lawyers' practices, and I, it's why I'm so bullish on podcasting. So with that, I'm going to say thank you to you, the listeners. We're just about to wrap up here, and I want you to, if you don't mind, take a moment to send me your comments and suggestions. The law, the podcast uh, website is at lawpodcaster.com. You can give us a review in the iTunes store, or send me feedback at gfiremark at firemark.com. And with that, I'm going to start our music. If I can get to the button, there's the button. And uh, say this wraps up this episode of the Law Podcasting Podcast. If you are interested in podcasting for your practice, the Power Podcasting for Lawyers course is available over at lawpodcasting.com. I'll send you my free law podcasting resource guide as well. And until next time, keep on podcasting. Podcasting.